Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Dear Java Junkies, welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into the music and entertainment industry, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is an entertainment industry executive who heads up the Miami office for Creative Artists Agency, also known as CAA, one of the leading entertainment and sports agencies in the world. But before I introduce you to Bruno Del Granado, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays to give you a sneak peek into the episodes and the professions we're going to be featuring that week. And it is so easy to do. We'll take 30 seconds, probably 10 seconds. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee. Org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my macchiato-drinking music lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Bruno Del Granado, an entertainment industry executive with over 25 years of experience in music, broadcasting, and film production. He's currently the head of CAA's Miami office, and his clients include Gloria Estefan, Luis Fonsi, Ricky Martin, and Maluma. Bruno joined CAA in 2014 from RM Entertainment Group, which he formed 10 years earlier in 2004 in partnership with Latin superstar Ricky Martin. And as part of their arrangement, Bruno handled all of Martin's endeavors outside the U.S., Previously, Bruno founded Entertainment Media Factory in 1997. It's a music, television, and film production and programming company specializing in content for Latin America, Europe, and Asia. And prior to the Entertainment Media Factory, Bruno founded and managed the Latin music division of Madonna's Maverick Recording Company. That's a joint venture with Warner Music Group. Bruno started out his career working at CBS Records, and he worked his way into marketing and eventually talent development. And we're going to learn more about Bruno's journey. Just check out show notes to see if his main time for coffee interview where we get into all of that has dropped. Today, in addition to heading CAA's Miami office, Bruno is also an on-air pop culture contributor to ABC News and CNN. And he's a guest lecturer on the music business and the TV industry at the University of Miami. Bruno, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Hi. 
Andrea, I am beyond caffeinated. I just had my double espresso. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I'm ready to go. I'm an espresso junkie. I love I'm, I'm espresso. More than ready. <laughs> well, here we go. I am so excited. I've only actually interviewed a couple of people in this industry, and I know. It is super hot. I mean, there's so many people who want to get into entertainment and music. I know this is going to be incredibly popular with T4C junkies here. So first espresso shop. What entry level jobs, Bruno, are available to young people who want to break into this industry? Well, Andrea, I got to tell you, we have internships, we have assistant positions, and obviously the legendary mailroom traditional route that every young executive takes in Hollywood. And I think those three, four jobs are probably the best and most appropriate because you really do need to build your base, your building blocks for what hopefully will be a long career in the entertainment industry. Nobody really comes in out of college knowing what it's all about. You just kind of like it, you're a fan or you want to be in it, but you really need to learn from the ground up. So for example, at CAA, we have the assistant positions, the mailroom positions, internships. Those to me are the most probably not only sought after, but the most appropriate jobs to start within the industry. Cool. I was actually interviewing somebody in the industry a couple of weeks ago. The episode has not aired yet. And I Mm -hmm. remember He also said, start in the mailroom. And I was like, what? That sounds like something from the 1950s that you just start in the mailroom. Why is that still the most common way to get in? Because the mailroom builds character. So you may not be delivering the physical letters anymore because that doesn't really exist. It's mostly email now. But you're still running around town delivering scripts and making sure meetings run on time and everything else. And it really is, I think it's boot camp more than anything. I haven't done that. I I never did mailroom because I started, you know, as an intern and then worked my way up. But the way I see it is the mailroom is necessary. It is is something that's mandatory at the agencies because it really builds character. It okay. weeds out who's not serious about the job. If your call time is five in the morning, go and start delivering scripts to actors or clients. You better do it. And you better deliver on time because if you don't and you slack off, then they know you're just not right for it. So it really is like like boot camp. Okay, and, fair and enough. And it builds tremendous character, by the way. Tremendous character. I bet it does. So what is a useful, hard and soft skill, Bruno, that you look for in the young people you hire at CAA? Well, what I look for more than anything is the passion and the initiative, but also, Andrea, the knowledge of the business. Because there's one thing to say, oh, I love music, I love television, but not to know who the players are, who the hot producers, who the hot showrunners or actors and actresses. You really need to have at least some sort of basic one-on-one on the business because the business is moving so fast and it's constantly throwing stuff at you that just because you're a fan of Netflix or whatever, it's not going to cut it. You need to have real good time management skills now just because there's so much coming at you from all sorts of directions. Back in the day when I started, there were landlines and faxes and that was it. And if you were out of range, that was it. Now it's DMs by Instagram and tweets and WhatsApp and text and emails and you know your smartphone is with you everywhere and people are just completely connected. So you need to have time management. You also have to be consistent with your word and you got to network because our business, whether you're music, television, film, it's all about who you know. It really is that and you really have to also have humility. 
because nothing is beneath you. I mean, right now, it's still at this level. If a client of ours needs a glass of water, I'll fetch that glass of water. Nothing is ever beneath you. Humility will get you so many doors open in this business. And when you start, is like I said, I've been doing this for, gosh, over 25, 30 years now. I'm still, if I need to go and make sure that dressing room, that backstage dressing room needs to be fluffed up and everything, I will go there because we need to make sure our clients are happy. Absolutely. So nothing is beneath you. I think humility is a underrepresented quality. Mm. It is something that is super important and it doesn't matter how far up the food chain you are. It's a yeah. good thing because you can come crashing down and plenty of people oh, do. <laughs> so, I mean, Andrea, we, we, we always use this term, be careful how you treat the people on your way up because you're going to meet them on the way down. I've been in this business long enough to have seen that happen to so many people who just completely torch bridges on the way up. Then they trip and you've never heard from them again. Mm. It's really sad. It really is. But that's human nature sometimes. And it's like, you know what? You really do attract more bees with honey. And that's the one thing, like I said, nothing is ever beneath me to do for our clients, obviously, legally, of course. But it's like, like I said, if I need to go fetch a glass of water or a sandwich, I will do it because that's the way it has to be. Great advice, Bruno. What about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into your profession? And if so, what do you think are the most useful ones to have? I don't really think my major was a bachelor of business administration. My, my focus was political science, which happens to say political science and school of business. So I have nothing to do with the entertainment industry. I've lectured at the University of Miami in the school of business, and they do have majors and degrees now. But I don't really think it's necessary to have a degree in entertainment marketing in order to get a job because, you know, across the agencies and the record companies and television studios and the television networks, you meet people who have all kinds of degrees. What I do recommend is if you do, once you've, you've been in the industry for a couple of years and you think, you know what, I kind of want to move away from creative and go more to a corporate position, then you really need an MBA or you need a degree in finance or, or even a law degree. You know, so I've seen that happen where a lot of colleagues, after a couple of years of working the creative area of the entertainment industry, decided, no, I think I'm going to slow down my pace because the creative area is very, it's a very fast pace. And they've, they've gone to get an, an MBA or, or to get a, a law degree as well. But when you start off, any degree is really, I recommend a degree. You definitely need a degree. And most of the companies now and agencies do look for degrees. And I think it's imperative. But it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a marketing degree or, or maybe a philosophy or liberal arts. It really doesn't matter. You know, it's the passion you have for, for the business, for the music, for the television, for film, for whatever it is. Yeah. And that's stuff that you can educate yourself on mm -hmm. in your free time. Yeah. You don't need to go yeah. to school to know who the yeah. hot artists are. And you can mm -hmm. research who are the best producers, yeah. who are the best yeah. agents other than Bruno. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's be real here. Okay. Yeah. You don't last this long in this industry yeah. without being one of the best, Bruno. So what about life experiences? Those experiences outside the classroom that you think are most useful for someone starting out in music and entertainment? My best life experiences were traveling. 
you know, I was very fortunate because my parents from, from an early age, my brothers and I, they took us everywhere around the world. So we traveled. And it was always something my parents always, you know, would say to us, the world is your classroom. The world is your classroom. And I think I got this sense of big picture and think big, look small or think global and act local from the traveling. Now, obviously, we're living in very weird times now where you know, nobody's really leaving their homes. But once of course, this too shall pass. Once this passes, I always say to everybody, especially the young kids who intern with us, travel if you can. You know, take a leap, a gap year, or do whatever you do. Just travel, meet people from other cultures, go to other countries. It's when we learn most about ourselves, Andreas, when we're out of our comfort zone. And if it means you're an American student who's suddenly going to Patagonia and has never been outside of you know Missouri or Arkansas, Oh my God, is that going to build character? It's going to be huge for you. So that is something that I, I personally can vouch for because that's what happened to me. Yes. And we should also let our listeners know, I mean, your English is native, but <laughs> you didn't grow up in the U.S. No, no, no. I come from I come from a little slice of heaven called Mallorca, Spain. It's an island in the Mediterranean and part of the Balearic Archipelago. So there's five islands, Mallorca, Menorca, Ibiza, which everybody knows because it's a club capital of the world. And we have two small ones, Formentera and Conejera. But I got here in the early 80s to go to school. What can I say? It's it, I, I am living that American dream ethos that only things only happen in America if you really set your sights to it. And we grew up with that American. American dream where, God, only in the United States things happen. So, you know, it's <laughs> the so least beautiful. we can do. That's you know, so it's beautiful. that immigrant thing. It's that immigrant thing that immigrants arrive here, whether you're a student or, you know, a family or whatever you are. And you really think, oh, my God, now it's up to me to make something out of myself. You know, and, and I was very lucky because I went to good schools and, you know, I, 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 all my friends and I've had friends from all over the world. And that's helped me tremendously to realize and to be so grateful for what this country has. I was I go to Mallorca twice a year, once, twice a year. I was there a couple months ago and I was having lunch with, with my friends who I went to school with. And they all said to me, oh, you're you're the lucky one who got to go to America. And I thought, yeah, I am, but you know, nothing's given to you for free here. You have to work your tail off here in the U.S. The opportunities are there, but nobody, nobody give you anything for free. Mm. So, you know, but you do feel blessed to be able to come here. And the fact that this country was built by immigrants. I mean, last year, two years ago, Hamilton, boy, did that bring home the fact that this country was built by immigrants. I was also last year, I happened to, to go to the Park Avenue Armory to see the Lehman Trilogy, which is about the three brothers who emigrated to the States from Bavaria, the three Lehman brothers, oh. Henry Emanuel and Meyer. Fascinating play by directed by Sam Mendes. And it's all about immigration and immigrants and, and the tolerance that the United States has. Only the United States would be a place where, for example, the Lehman Brothers could come here and make what they made. You know, when you think about recent immigrants, you know, the guy who co-founded Google, Sergey Brin, is Russian, born in Russia, and he co-founded Google. Steve Jobs, his father, he emigrated from Syria, you know, and Jeff Bezos, the man who raised him and whose last name he took, Bezos, was Cuban, fled Cuba during the Cuban Revolution. So this day, this is a nation of immigrants. So I, I'm so proud of that. And I feel like, oh, my God, immigrants have contributed so much to this country because this country is made up of immigrants. You know, I remember Reagan's last speech as a president was that love letter to immigrants and how America will always continue to reinvent itself and continue to be young because of immigrants. And mm -hmm. all you got to do is go to the Statue of Liberty and, and, and read the, the quote there. Give me your tired, your poor, your, your 
huddled masses. And it's like, okay, I mean, it's as simple and as basic as, as that. I think that is so needed. That message yeah. is so needed right now, because in mm-hmm. addition to being in the middle of the coronavirus mess, mm-hmm. we're also in the middle of that whole series of yeah. African-Americans, including George Floyd, mm-hmm. Ahmed Arbery, Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor, who were killed by police officers in this country. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Black Lives Matter demonstrations and the contribution that those who came to this country willingly and those who came mm-hmm. against their will and their yeah. descendants have made to make yeah. the United States the incredible country that it yeah. is today. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you so much for that, absolutely. Bruno. That was a really important reminder. I just want to add one final point because we didn't explicitly pull this out, but languages. The mm-hmm. fact that Bruno is bilingual, actually trilingual, because you also mm-hmm. speak fluent mm-hmm. Italian, mm-hmm. I have no doubt has helped you in unbelievable ways over the course of your career, which we can get into in our main interview. Tremendously, Andrea, tremendously. The fact that I speak Spanish means that I can get a job anywhere in Latin America or Spain. That's a market of 440 million people that suddenly opened to me because I speak Spanish or Italy, a market of 60 million people. So I always, always tell all my students, you know, Mark, our interns, anybody that will listen to me, try to learn the language. If you speak a second one, try to learn a third, because that just means more of the world is open to you. Yes. You know, I'll give you a quick example. One of my brothers went to Germany following his girlfriend, decided to stay, went to school and basically he's been in Germany for 30 years, speaks perfect German the way I I would English, I guess. And he's been able to work in Germany and Switzerland and Liechtenstein and Holland. So it's kind of suddenly now he's got that huge area of northern Europe covered just because he speaks perfect German, fluent German. It just helps so much. Right now, when you when you look at the jobs that are happening, especially in Miami, Amazon, Spotify, Apple. They're all hiring people for Latin America. And one of the prerequisites is you need to speak Spanish and English. Mm. Well, same here at our office at CAA. It's like prerequisite number one or number two is you need to speak and write Spanish. Because we have 440 million people south of the border. That's a huge market for us. No doubt about it. Well, unfortunately... I took French in high school, Uh, but when I lived in Miami, I studied a little bit, but it was that and then Chinese. So unfortunately- But you speak speak Mandarin, right? You speak Mandarin? I speak Mandarin. Oh my God. Yes, yes. But I would just just say yes, 100% to what Bruno mentioned there. It is a golden key, speaking languages, Mm -hmm. a golden key that opens doors Mm -hmm. To places Mm -hmm. you can't even imagine right now. And I'm jobs, Mm -hmm. careers, Mm -hmm. societies, Mm -hmm. friendships, everything, Mm -hmm. everything. Okay, Bruno, what is the best part for you of being in the music and entertainment industry? The best part and the most rewarding one and the one that still like jolts me every day is being around creative people. Whether it's a musician who's creating a song in the studio or a video director creating a video concept and then making it real. To go and you kind of sit there and you just watch these people pull something out of their brain, write it and develop. And then suddenly you see it up on screen or on stage and you think, oh my God, this is genius. This is probably how 
you know, without exaggerating, Michelangelo's assistants must have felt when they saw him paint what he did and all these inventions. I love that. When you sit next to an artist, and I'll give you a perfect example. When I was, I happened to be very lucky to be invited by Madonna to the recording studio when I worked for her because she was recording a song in Spanish and she just wanted to make sure the pronunciation was right, which is, I go back to that. That's why you should speak other languages or learn other languages. Oh, yeah. To see her record those vocals in the studio in Los Angeles and then like, a week later, it was on the radio all over Latin America and Spain. I was like, oh, my God, I was part of that to see this come from this person's body, spirit. And now it's everywhere. And same with the, the director who directed Despacito, Luis Fonsi's video, which to this day is the most viewed video of all time with 6.5 billion views. I remember when he called and told me this is the concept for the video. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. And he just ran down the script and the storyboard. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. And to see it, how it exploded into this day, it still gets played. I love being around creative people, Andrea. I love it. It's so rewarding. That's definitely the most rewarding and most fun part of my job, being around creatives. Oh, my God. The energy that comes off you, you can just feel the passion, Bruno. Unbelievable. So, look, we all have parts of our jobs, hopefully, many parts that we just love. But even for me, and I'm my own boss, and I know you've been your own boss many times, there are parts that suck. So what is the part of your current job as the head of CAA's Miami office during the coronavirus, let's say, that sucks the most. The one that literally sucks the most air out of the room is the fact that the job is 24-7 nowadays, Andrea. It really is. I mean, you know, even during holidays, you know, Memorial Day weekend here, which is a Monday for us, it's a holiday. It isn't in Latin America or in Europe. It is in the UK, but not in the rest of Europe. So you end up working because of technology now, because of cell phones, because of email, because of texts and WhatsApps and everything else. You end up working 24-7, 365 now. Fortunately, I love what I do. Because if I hated it, I there's no way I could put up with it. But I, I am used to waking up on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. and I want to go kayaking here in Miami. As you know, it's such a beautiful, the bay is beautiful. And suddenly I have three emergencies from work that need to be addressed right away. And suddenly you have to put your plans on hold just because you need to address that. Back in the old days, you had your landline at the office. When you left the office, you were done. You were done and nobody could reach you unless they called your home and try to reach you at home. And if you didn't have a voice recording system, it was like till Monday or whatever. That's the only thing now that we are connected to 24-7. Also, when it comes to vacation, by the way, I was talking to our HR people, our HR team a couple of years ago. I said, so we have two, three weeks a year, but how does it work if we spend, let's say, a week on vacation, but we're, we're working the whole time? Yeah. You know, how, what's, what's, what's the, how do you, you don't really disconnect, especially when you come, when you become an executive and you, you certainly rise up the ranks, you can't really disconnect because the clients need you. And you need to attend to the clients. So that's probably the only part of the job that I, it doesn't really suck, like I said, because I love what I do. But you're always, always on call now. Oof. You really are always on call. How has the coronavirus affected the industry and affected the way, other than being <clears throat> hunkered down at home, the way that you're working? 
Well, now you're working from home. So in my case, my, my staff here is working from their respective homes. So we have to constantly do video calls or text each other or WhatsApp each other. You don't have that daily interaction of let's bounce ideas off each other the way you would at an office. You end up working longer hours because I'll give you a perfect example. I get up at seven and, you know, before I do my ritual and I get myself organized and get to the office. But there was always that break between driving from home to the office. You could like get your thoughts together. Now, first reaction is to, oh, let me go check out the, you know, open emails and see what, what I've received, you know, through the night. So you end up working longer hours. The breaks are less because sometimes you're just so busy responding to phone calls or emails that before you realize it's three o'clock and you haven't had lunch. Whereas before at the office, you have that set structure and you end up working longer hours later in the evening as well. Now, the advantage we have is, and I feel blessed, we are busier than ever, which is good because we're moving things around to next year and just reprogramming. So that's a good thing to be busy. So I'll take it. If it means yeah. working 18 hour days, I'll take it as long as we're busy and we're not just, you know, waiting for the phone to ring. We don't want to have that. Okay. Gosh, I'm surprised to hear that, but we'll get more into that in the meantime mm-hmm. for coffee interview. Mm-hmm. Bruno, what's the best career advice you've ever gotten? There are two, and I live by those every single day, Andrea. One of them, which is by somebody I never really met, but I was a huge fan of, is Casey Kasem from American Top 40. I listened to him in Spain growing up because he was part of the American Forces Networks. We had Air Force bases in Spain, so we used to listen to Casey Kasem growing up. And he always used to sign off his weekly countdown show with the following phrase, which is keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. And I always used to like the phrase, I didn't really speak English that well, but then when I really realized what the phrase meant, I was like, oh my God. Don't ever lose fact of where you come from, but at the same time, keep always striving for more. So I've always used that Casey Kasem phrase. And then another one that my parents said to me early on when I was still in college, and I never forgot that. They said, you don't get what you wish for. You get what you work for. And that has certainly helped me because, you know, I learned my work ethic certainly comes from my father. And I learned that. And I, I every day I completely remember that it's not what you wish for because we all wish everything and we all you know, have a thousand ideas it's what you work for what oh. you put your nose to the grind that's what it's all about that is phenomenal advice and super important to keep front of mind because i think there's maybe some idea that when somebody becomes an executive they can kind of let up on the gas a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but I think mm-hmm. especially in your industry, because this day and age, there's social media. It's a 24-7 uh-huh. cycle yeah. and the hunger for content is so great that you're the artists that you're representing. They've got to be going all the time, too. Exactly. I mean, Andrea, when I worked at MTV in the 90s, it was an artist would release a record and you had radio stations and MTV and you do some press, you know, Rolling Stone, Spin Magazine, whatever. Now it's like, you got to do YouTube, Vivo, Snapchat. You got to do Instagram. You got to Twitter. You got to do everything under the sun. And these artists have to be available the same 24 seven because there's so much content and there's so much need for content. Nowadays, you can't, an, an, a music artist, for example, can't afford the luxury to release music every three, four or five years away, Michael Jackson or Prince or, or Madonna back in the day used to. You got to be releasing stuff every two months, every month, every three months max. You have to be constantly visible because don't forget there's a lot of competition, not only among artists, but also fans. 
a fan, if he or she doesn't get their dose of music, well, they'll go to video games. So they'll do something else. They go to Netflix, they'll go to Fortnite, they'll go to That's whatever right. they do. So now there's also that you have to contend with. It's not just Michael Jackson competing with Madonna or Prince or Bruce Springsteen. It's like, okay, we're competing with video games as well. Gosh, we're competing I with Netflix. never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, two final espresso shots. Mm-hmm. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Hulu, oh, Amazon shows, uh-huh. or books do you think accurately depict your profession? Well, there are a couple. I'll tell you first, the book. The perfect book, and I'd recommend everybody to read this, it's called The Mailroom, A Hollywood History from the Bottom Up. It's by David Renson, and it's basically quotes from every major powerful player in, in Hollywood, whether it's Mike Ovitz or David Geffen or Barry Diller, the big guys, who started in the mailroom, how they got to where they got. Now they're all captains of industry. That book, to me, is the perfect roadmap to how Hollywood works. And there are three movies that I've seen over and over and over <laughs> that really hit the nail on the head. Number one is Robert Altman's The Player. Oh, yeah. It was with Tim Robbins. And it's really a Hollywood insider movie. It's, it's like if you're in Hollywood working in the industry or you just are passionate about it, you've got to watch that film. The other one was Swimming with Sharks. It's a young guy who's willing to do whatever it takes. And there's so many of them, whatever it takes to make it in Hollywood. And of course, the third one is, is Jerry Maguire because Tom Cruise hit that one out of the park. When he finally has that crisis of conscience and decides, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I got to do my own thing. And then he like basically gets on his knees and begs Cuba to be his first client. I've been there. It's like, uh, I've been there. I believe it. You know, it it really like hit the nail on the head. And then of course, the one series that everybody talks about to this day is Entourage on HBO, which ran six, seven seasons. That's another one. Yeah. So those are the ones I would recommend on on book, TV, and and film. Oh, fantastic. Well, we'll include links to all of them in show notes. I also Mm -hmm. wanted to let you know, not that this is about being a TV agent, and Louise Fonsi was on it, which is Mm -hmm. an amazing program called Songland. Yes. Which is all about how, basically, how you can get your song how to rate mm-hmm. really popular, mm-hmm. wonderful songs for different artists. Yep. And, and Ryan it. Tedder, who basically helms that, is one of the most successful songwriters. So you have really, really great people up as part of that show. This oh, is not yeah. just fluff there. The producers yeah. are mm-hmm. Whew, mm-hmm. the best, the best of yeah. the best. Okay. Yeah. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your industry, Bruno? It's not as glamorous as it looks, Andrea. It's I've said it's 24-7, not only that, but even when you go to these glamorous events, and I've been to them, I've been to the Grammys, I've been to red carpets, not myself to do, but with clients. I've been to the Grammys more times than I can count, and it's always been backstage running around, making sure your artist is seated, making sure they they got their script because they have to present or they have to perform, and you just run around like a hamster for three hours and you just can't wait till it's done. So you're not sitting watching the show as glamorous as it looks. You're backstage, you don't even know what's going on. You're just being told, okay, get your artist ready. Now you have to do this, you have to do that. So, so much for that. And then the other thing is red carpets, you're a zoo. 
unless once again, you're the talent. It's a zoo because you're being told what time to arrive. When you arrive, there's this mad rush of publicists and support staff just trying to get the artist there. You're fighting with the producers to make sure your client gets the right interviews with the right person, with the Ryan Seacrest or the Carson Daly's of the world. And you got to make sure then they're pulling you in another direction to go to another one. And it's, it's another thing where it's like half an hour of a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh my God, this looks really glamorous on TV, but it's the farthest thing away from it at I, all. I so used it's to, not a glamorous job. No, I was going to say, I used to say the same thing when I was in broadcast TV, that uh-huh. as a correspondent, it is so not glamorous. Yeah. It is so yeah. not what it may appear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah it's <laughs> crazy. There's crazy stuff going on. And you're not sleeping. You're eating crap. No. You're exactly. Oh. Exactly. You're oh. like trying to maybe get whatever you can from one of those platters backstage, you know, sandwiches that have been there for hours and hours and hours. And you're just running around trying to make sure you're doing your job with your clients because they're the ones who have to look good. They're the ones who have to step on stage. They're the ones who have to look like a million bucks. You, yes. it doesn't matter. You know, you just got to get your job done. So it's not glamorous in that regard at all. Okay. Fantastic insight from a wonderful mm-hmm. insider. Bruno, I want to thank you so much oh, for making yeah. time for coffee. <laughs> time for it's a double espresso yeah, I, I, with I, I, me. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan now. I, I've listened to, I don't know how many podcasts, but I love them. And, and thank you so, so much. It's, it's an amazing podcast. It's obviously I'm subscribed to it and I'm strongly passing the word on to everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.